Big Fluff. Rocky, they don't care about you. You want to get serious? Let's get serious. You represent the dreams of the long shots, the little people, the never wills that identify with you. And identification is the key to public success. You're a true champion, a true product of the people. Don't sell it. Sell it while they're still biased. They ain't gonna last forever. You say you're a fighter, then fight! You say you want a champion's dude, then do it, and I'll make you so much money, you can swim in it! You can swim, can't you, darling? What do you say? Come on, put it there. It's time to put some hustle behind this muscle. He's done! He's done fighting! You a damn fool. Maybe we ought to sign Mrs. Balboa to fight Kane, huh? Looks like she's the one with the cojones in the family. Yo, Tommy! I didn't hear no bell! Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And I didn't hear no bell. <laughs> and this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch malign movies and we find their silver linings. And we are continuing our look at maligned sports movies, uh, looking at perhaps the most vaunted sports movie franchise of all time and its worst entrant, Rocky V. Yeah. Yeah, this movie is interesting because... It is this weird anomaly that so Stallone still wrote it, but he didn't direct it. And he seems like he hates it. Like he has been very vocally against the existence of this movie. Although it is directed by John Alvidson, who did direct Rocky. Yeah. So it's not like it was someone unfamiliar with the franchise. Yeah, I but still. Yeah, I it just yeah, like Stallone seems a little checked out of this one. Yeah, he is he admitted to pretty much phoning this in from Jump Street. Yeah. And it's weird because there's I I mean, I don't even know where to start with this movie, but like there's stuff about it that is just unforced errors of like they don't play gonna fly now. There's a, there's the brief moment when the band is playing it when his plane lands from Russia. Right. And that's it. And then the like little like minor keys, like it, it's sort of worked into orchestral yeah, stuff. There's a couple of like minor cues and like right at the end, there's like a, a sting of it. But I mean, and if there's one truism of the Rocky movies, it's that the music slaps, and that is not the case in this one. Well, it, it's funny because I don't even know. The music, it, it's obviously very clear that it, this was made in the 90s, but I don't even know if the music is good or bad, but it is a real awkward fit for a Rocky movie, especially a Rocky movie that is Rocky versus a corn-fed white guy with a mullet, and they're playing yeah. essentially hip-hop music throughout it including in the final battle it's it's weird i don't know if it was someone's idea of trying to be relevant or like trying to update rocky for a new generation of fans but yeah the there's so many great rocky training montage songs throughout the entire franchise and yeah i mean gonna fly now is obviously iconic um eye of the tiger from rocky three yeah iconic uh, the training montage from four, 
is on my workout mix. <laughs> like, I, it's awesome. I was very excited. Uh, Molly and I have been going to trivia. And one of the trivia things was just it was stills from movies and it was that training montage from four of him in the snow. And I was very excited <laughs> to recognize it. Rocky four, baby. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's and it's not even just all the music throughout the thing. Did you catch the song at the end? That is the weirdest, most like heteronormative measure of a man song. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it was. I actually stayed through and listened to it, even though I wanted to turn the movie off. I'm like, no, I there's I need to be here for this. It feels like a song that Trey Parker and Matt Stone would have written for something that yeah. they did. Like, it feels like a parody of manhood, but it is utterly sincere. And no, it definitely like it's like the type of song that Pearl Harbor sucks and I love you is parodying. Yeah, exactly. It sounds just like that. Yeah, it's yeah. The music is not good, which is a bummer in a Rocky movie, because, yeah, you expect good music. Yeah, um, it's and it's such a just everything about this movie is tonally wrong. Well, yeah. OK, so let's yeah, let's set it up a little bit, because I assume people know this movie, but maybe they haven't seen it in a while. And there was definitely things I had forgotten about it, which is also maybe that's worth mentioning, too. I was saying this to you right before we started recording. It's a funny thing with the Rocky franchise, because we were kids when this came out. And so to me. All of the Rocky movies were just the Rocky movies in the same way that like Star Wars was Star Wars. I never stopped to contemplate the quality of any individual movie. They were all just Rocky and they were all good. You know, like it's in the same way that like I didn't find out until I was grown up that people didn't like Return of the Jedi. It never would have occurred to me that people didn't like Rocky five as a kid because I loved it. Uh, I will I will actually speak the contrary to that. And I knew right away that Rocky five was garbage. Um, like he doesn't even there's not even a boxing match. OK, there's a street fight. I stand by my statement. Look, I'm just I'm here to tell you I'm being honest. I liked this no, movie I appreciate as a kid. That. I, and yeah. I will say, like, I loved. I also like <laughs> the Rocky movies are of varying quality. Yeah. And which three is the know, that, best. Three is my favorite. Yeah. No, it's the best. Um, it's not your favorite. It is objectively the best made one. I know people will say that Rocky, the original, was great, but it doesn't have Hulk Hogan and Mr. T. So three's the best. All right. So three's the best. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, a lot of people and four is the most ridiculous in the best way possible. I mean, this speech at the end of four is amazing. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't believe when they're showing the highlights of Ford that they didn't really hit that speech again. Right? I mean, if he can change and you can change, we can all change. And we can all change. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rocky 2 is very forgettable. Well, because it's just Rocky again. Like, they, it's just a redo. Except he wins. Yeah, it's... <laughs> yes. They, they were like, what if we redid this movie, but he wins the title? And, Ro I mean, Rocky is legitimately a great film. It, it does play a little bit slow to a 2022 audience, I think, but yeah, it's still great. Yeah. I mean, it's like fourth best in the series, but yeah, it's great. It's better than two. Okay. It's third best in the series. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I can live with that. It's definitely better than two. It's, it's more memorable than two at any rate. Yeah. This is, to be honest, I don't remember. Wait, 
No, because it's it is. When do they run on the beach together? That's gotta. That's later. Three. Okay, so yeah, that's see, three. Three's the best. It's all everything. <laughs> and in, it has Eye of the Tiger. And yeah, it's and it has one of the greatest lines in any Rocky movie. My prediction, pain. <laughs> also, one of the other greatest lines in any Rocky movie. Hey, woman. <laughs> fantastic. Mr. T is great. No, he's he's the Clubber Lang is the best villain in a Rocky movie, and it's not even close. Yeah, a lot of people say Drago, but also it's I mean I, I love them all. Carl Weathers is great too. I mean, look, also back on track of this movie, Tommy Gunn is the worst of all of the oh, Rocky yeah. adversaries <laughs> by a country mile, both in just character overall and overall charisma and line delivery. <laughs> yeah. All of it is yeah. Okay. He, he, yeah. Okay. So he sucks. So, but yeah, to set it up, if you haven't seen it, essentially the movie picks up right exactly at the end of four. Like they, it shows you the fight from four, skips the speech, but then we pick up like with him flying home, and he does an interview. Well, actually, no. Even before that, he's in the locker room, and he's now having problems, like con- tremors, tremors, and sort of concussion related issues. I mean, shocking getting pelted in the face by uh, Dolph Lundgren for an hour and you're going to you're going to have a concussion. Well, I mean, I'm I'm shocked. Well, and also, I mean, he killed Apollo Creed. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he, he starts having problems. He flies home. He essentially retires. And then the plot of The Dark Knight Rises happens and he's immediately broke <laughs> like overnight. Um. And then he has to move back into his old neighborhood. Um, and meanwhile... Yeah, because Polly effed everything up again. Which, again, seriously, I don't even want to try to get lost in the weeds of this logic, but Polly gave power of attorney to their accountant who... Then stole all their money. Who stole all their money. And so they're completely broke except for one gym. That was left Except for Mickey's gym. That was the only thing they owned outright, which was left to them for sentimental reasons. I guess <laughs> like that would have been absolutely been seized to make up the debts that they already owed. But let's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not worry about that. Well, and also, I mean, you also have to ignore the idea that Rocky couldn't cash in on. They literally say in this movie that it was the highest rated boxing match ever. His fight against Drago, and this is immediately after that. The idea that he can't make some quick money doing car commercials or TV appearances or something like he's just broke and there is no way for him to make yeah, money. They even, they even try to, to hand wave that by saying, Oh, well now that uh, Rocky's had this money embezzled, it's going to come out that he used to do uh, some loan sharking when he was a young kid. And that's not, and so no one's going to want to pay to see him do anything false, which also contradicts the whole, and the rest of the movie is about how everyone loves Rocky and no one gives a crap about Tommy Gunn. Well, exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like the whole rest of the movie revolves around the idea that Rocky is still absolutely beloved and seen as the true champion and Tommy Gunn is utterly in his shadow. Yeah, he. But yeah, you just have to accept the idea that he can't make this money up. He's just broke. Yeah. And like part of Rocky's charm is being the underdog and. This was just a really lazy way to make him the underdog again. Yeah, well, it's also it's weird that they don't do some kind of time jump because I think 
like setting it immediately after four is weird for a lot of reasons. Also, because their son ages like five years. Right. Uh, well, because I think they're only the only reason they did is that that was the precedent set literally with all the movies is that two picks up the instant one ends. Three picks up the instant two ends. Four picks up the instant three ends. Yeah. Yeah. But it is one of those things of if we skipped ahead a little bit. Especially since none of the other ones did, you could catch up to like present day instead of every movie being immediately after the last one to just sort of say that it's a few years later, he's been retired long enough that the deals have dried up, dried up, like would probably sell it a lot more than he's at the height of his popularity, but no one wants to hire him. He literally just won the Cold War. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Uh, yeah, so all of that, but then, uh, yeah, so this guy that's definitely not Don King, just... No, he's definitely just George Washington Duke. Yeah, even though he says Don King's catchphrase as many times as possible, uh, yet doesn't have wild hair. He doesn't have Don King hair, and I found that very disappointing if you're going to do a clear Yeah, that, that, was a, that, was, that was to, you know, make it subtle. <laughs> Only in America. Only in America. Uh, But he decides that he needs to get someone to fight Rocky for sort of, I mean, financial but unclear reasons why it's so important to him. (laughs) Because he's really obsessed with it. Because, I mean, Rocky was the big money fight, you know, like he was the most popular fighter in the world. He was world champ. Yeah. Um, And this isn't a silver lining, but I was going to preface this by saying one of the things I love about this movie and I think just speaks to how much of a shyster and how much based on Don King, George Washington Duke was, is that he's hyping up Union Kane as the guy and then immediately admits he's a bum when he loses. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he all the while this, you know, <laughs> hick straight off the back of <laughs> the the truck, he falls off. The back of the turn falls off the back of a hay truck in South Philadelphia. Yeah. And he shows up and he wants to be trained by Rocky and he is trained by Rocky. But then immediately the second that uh, Don King guy um, offers him a huge contract, he signs immediately says yes. Yes. No, no hesitation signs with him. And then he becomes the world champ, but nobody accepts him as the world champ because they all still love Rocky. So it right. all... And Rocky retired as the champ, so he never lost the belt. Right. And then it all culminates in a bar brawl that spills out into a street fight. Yeah. That camera's film. Yes. that Because uh, George Washington Duke showed up to Rocky's bar that he regularly hangs out at uh, to, with Tommy Gunn. Literally... From the fight at Madison Square Garden, they drive to South Philadelphia. <laughs> they take the three-hour drive and show up at two in the morning to uh, find to tell or let Rocky know that uh, he wants to fight him with TV cameras. And then the street fight breaks out, and then Rocky wins, and then the movie's over. And yeah, that's one of like this. This is just such a lazy movie. It really is, and it's. I even think the bones of it could work. I don't think the idea yeah, no, is 100%. bad, but it's the, out, the plot outline is is sound, but it's just such a lazy movie. Yes. 
Yeah, because it doesn't earn anything. Like everything that happens just it's it also it felt so much breezier than I remembered. Like I when we were at the street fight, I was like, wow, we're already at the street fight. Like it just everything is so just a thing happens. Then the next thing happens and there's no real earning of any plot development. It's just dominoes. Yeah. And especially because like essentially the first two thirds of this movie is not that different from Creed. Right. You know, where it's it's Rocky taking on a new protege, them growing to care about each other. The difference is that Creed doesn't make a heel turn for no reason. Right. Uh, is that Donnie Creed doesn't, you know, make the heel turn, whereas Tommy Gunn does. Uh, and that's why Creed is a really good movie that we'll never do on this podcast. Well, right. And it's also it's funny because Creed does that well. And then the other piece of this movie was done again later in Rocky Balboa. So literally every idea right. from this movie is covered eventually and covered better elsewhere because yeah. rocky balboa is also a good movie. it's it's the fourth best uh that's sure uh we could it's uh, better than rocky too is the yeah, point i'm making we could never do it on this show because it's too good and too light but uh since we can't i will put out i do find it really funny that that entire fight happens because of a video game oh that's so dumb yeah it's the worst it's the worst contrivance so dumb yeah but Creed yeah, is great. Un- unbelievably dumb. It also, no, Creed is awesome. And Creed 2 is solid. Yeah. Uh, and I did. <laughs> it's funny. I sent you the article that apparently uh, Stallone is upset that they're making a Drago movie. I think mostly because he's not involved and probably not getting. Probably because he can't cash in on yeah. it. Yeah. Because he's not getting paid. Yeah. Other than some like some like character license rights because he wrote Drago. Right. You know, he wrote Rocky 4. But yeah, he's getting money, but not. The not money he pr- wants. Not a producer credit that he wants. Yeah. You know, or, or an acting gig. Well, and it does. I mean, from what he says, it sounds like nobody called him either, which I, I imagine I'd be kind of annoyed about either, too. If, I'd like, be miffed about that. Yeah. Justifiably. If they announced yeah. it without telling me. Like, he has no control over what they do with the franchise at this point. But yeah, you, you would think they'd, they'd reach out, maybe. <laughs> right. But yeah, and like, that's the thing. Like, this movie immediately gets better. If you have Duke in Tommy Gunn's ear the whole time. Yes. Well, yeah, that's a weird choice to make. In a movie that's not really earning the various plot points, it's weird how little interaction the two of them have until they interact. That in the scene that we played at the beginning, he uh, Tommy Gunn is there and is basically brushed aside by Duke. Duke doesn't have time for him. He, I think he says something right. about him loitering. Right. He just like completely doesn't matter at all until he does. But yeah, it would be something. Honestly, yeah, if he was simultaneously trying to recruit Rocky and Tommy Gunn and couldn't get through to Rocky, but eventually gets through to Tommy Gunn would have probably worked a lot better. Right. And then you could make it seem even more like Rocky was preventing Tommy from getting paydays. Or something like that, which is what he was accused of, which there was no evidence of. Like, he fought a bunch and earned a title shot and was going to have the title shot. And right. Yeah, it's it's so dumb and so contrived. And well, and again, this movie can't decide because you would think just being trained by Rocky, who's so beloved in the city and having him in his corner would have been a huge boost to his career. But it acts like it isn't. Right. Yeah. Like 
the reason he probably got a lot of those fights is because he was is because he was Rocky's kid. Yeah. It's sort of like how like, you know, Cre- uh, like in Creed, like Donnie is working his way up fighting is whatever his uh, given last name was until they said, like, all right, we're going to do this fight. But he has to fight as Adonis Creed. Yeah. You know, yeah. like that. Ends up being a thing, but yeah, it's it's like this movie has the bones to be good. Yeah, but before we pivot, we do also we have not talked at all about the B story in this movie, which is which again should work, but man, does it not? And one of those reasons is nepotism. Yeah, um, that future star of Entourage, uh, <laughs> uh, Kevin, Connolly, Kevin Connolly, oh, Kevin Connolly, Kevin uh, Connolly got this job. No, the the kid that plays Rocky's son is in fact uh, Sage Stallone. Stallone, who is obviously Rocky's real son. But yeah, so the the there's a B story where because they're poor now, he has to go to poor people school in Philly and is immediately beat up by future entourage star Kevin Connolly and uh right. I guess Turtle. I don't know who the other guy was, but yeah. <laughs> they uh they rough him up. And girl. And then there's girl and uh, like basically he wants to learn how to box to protect himself. And because everything in this movie is lazy, it's just straight up like <laughs> Rocky, who I think of as a genuinely like sweet and lovable guy, essentially shoves his kid in the face. Like, get out of here. I'm training like, Tommy Gunn. Just pie faces him to go work with Tommy Gunn. Yeah. Yeah. Like this, the fact that they didn't just play Cat's Cradle like while all of it was happening. But he's like literally coming in. And it's like, Dad, I got my jacket back. And he's like, oh, whatever. I got oh, this beautiful. Huh? Oh, I got to go. Tra- I got to go train this guy. Well, I should tell your mom about jackets. You know, or whatever. And so it's like very stupid. Uh, I do think there was room to explore the idea that Rocky is a deadbeat dad because I feel like that's earned through all the previous movies like four where he abandons him on Christmas (laughs) to go fight a Russian. He leaves him with a robot. Yeah. Which is not brought up. Where's the robot? I think that's the biggest problem with five. They should have kept they should have been able to kept keep the robot. (laughs) That's the one thing they get to keep is is Polly's wife, the robot. Yeah. Yeah. The robot's just gone. I guess they lost that when they lost everything else. They had to sell the robot for cash. And that's like. If the movies you remember, this is another thing about the Rocky series in general before we should definitely pivot. But like if what you remember most about the Rocky series is three and four, like a good uh, elder millennial should like those are the ones you should remember three and four. Yes. Um, Paulie is this lovable doofus. Yeah. But if you go back and watch Rocky and the first one, he's a monster. He is a straight up monster. He's abusive towards Adrian. Like he's a jerk, just a bad human being. Yes. Yeah. They really do a redemption arc for him that I'm not even sure how it happens, but he just isn't a terrible human. I mean, he gets a robot. That's how he gets redeemed. Yeah. Once he gets his sex robot. (laughs) Right. Uh, uh, that also co-starred as Kevin Screech's robot on Saved by the Bell. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, he uh, they try to make him like, I think it's probably because Alvidson was directing again, is they try to make him into the monster again because he's terrible to uh, 
Adrian when he's like, "Wouldn't blaming me for losing all your money. All I did was lose all your money." <laughs> yeah. He also has drunk Santa in this movie at one point. Like, yeah. He comes down just completely. No notes on that. I think we're, we're holding off on the silver linings. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Paulie's a bizarre character just throughout the series. Isn't there... Doesn't he get mad at him? Is it... I don't remember which one it is. There's one where he does, like, get in Rocky's face and, like, shouts at him. One of the ones where he's successful. It might be three. Where he's, like, you you got all this money, but how come none's coming my way? Or he has some like yeah. thing like that at one point. There, I think that is three. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Paulie's a mess. Also, look, I know we got to pivot, but I because we're never going to talk about another Rocky movie on this podcast. Likely, I mean, sure. I I never say never. Maybe we will for some reason. Maybe Drago's going to suck. Maybe we'll Drago will that, be terrible. But, but this is likely our only opportunity to talk about the Rocky franchise before we pivot. I do need to call out one Sylvester Stallone for uh, he's terrible at writing women characters, particularly Adrian, but also every woman that has any kind of speaking line in this movie and really every movie in this entire series. Uh, Adrian is the prototypical wet blanket boxer's girlfriend that <laughs> Heidi Gardner She's every been... character that Heidi Gardner yeah. that's one of the all-time great update characters if you haven't watched that but it is watch so much... that and you'll understand Adrian but it is so much like yeah Adrian is just and uh, you know is played by a great actor who also was in the Godfather films <laughs> like, yeah, Talia Shire is a great actress but she is just made to be so shrill and such a wet blanket and exist to tell Rocky that he's going to die <laughs> essentially right uh and i just i want to call that out i saw one of the other uh women that's in this film yeah delia shepherd that plays tommy gunn's girlfriend i think she her quote was something to the effect of um, a mannequin could have played my my part could have been played by a uh a department store mannequin and she's not wrong she has nothing interesting to say or do also, the character of jewel that's the you know quasi love interest of the son also has nothing to do. Oh, she had a name. I thought she was just girl. But that's what I mean is like all of the the characters, any woman character is severely underwritten. And now the only well-written female character in all of the Rocky movies is Ludmilla Drago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so just wanted to point that out while I well, we had a yeah, chance no, that, to. That, that does need to be said. He is he. I love the Rocky movies. I think that because. Sylvester Stallone always plays dum dums. That he's actually not a dum dum. Oh no! Like, I think that's important to note. Well, he writes the movies. Um, like he's a right, very talented, and he directs them. Yeah. And he's a, he's a talented director. He's a talented writer for most things, and a good actor. Yes, and he understands this character. He gets Rocky. Yeah. yeah, he he really just embodies the character. He is charismatic to watch. He's really great in this role. You understand why. It works. And yeah, I mean, he's great at the and even in. Well, I mean, we're pivoting. So I think it's fair to say, like, even in this movie, even as bad as it is, when it's time to hit the third act and it's time to have a street fight, it's a fun street fight. It is. Uh, And fun fact about that choreographed by professional underrated, perhaps the most underrated professional legend of all time, Terry Funk. Yes. Uh, Because if you're a wrestling fan. Uh, that has a very long memory. You'll remember his first retirement in 1982. <laughs> um, but he was one of the best 
wrestlers in the world and then reinvented himself as one of the most violent wrestlers in the world and had a like a 50 a 50 year career of relevance which you know he's awesome i love terry funk yeah and he choreographed the street fight yeah terry funk who uh i mostly knew because you and i were too young to really be alive right during his original heyday we were we were we were one when he retired the first time right but i did go to the hardcore homecoming show that they had which was the unsanctioned ecw arena uh you know the ecw show when the wwe was doing theirs and watched him wrestle in a barbed wire match uh against sabu and um yeah it was him sabu and uh shane douglas in a triple threat main event barbed wire match and he was a rematch of the first ecw championship match yeah and terry funk was 150 years old at that point and that was i think i saw him a few years later wrestling cm punk at a ring of honor show and he was 170 so yeah that all tracks (laughs) yeah and also the last thing i'll say about terry funk because it's my favorite story about terry funk that's in i believe it's in one of mick foley's books but because they obviously had a lot of legendary matches together. They did a lot of stuff in Japan and have a long history in, in the WWE and such. But he tells a story of wanting to figure out how Terry Funk's punches look so good. And then he realized when he wrestled him that he just really punches you. Yeah, it wasn't fake. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> He just actually punched you. Yeah, so that's the like, trick. Oh, okay. That's why it looks so good. Yeah, so that's the trick to Terry Funk's punches, which is why he is the right person. And it was funny because I knew that too, and I was watching it with that eye. And I don't know that there's a ton that I'm like, this seems like it, but there is a, a belly-to-back suplex at one point in the fight. Yeah. I caught that. Uh, I also do love that it ends with, um, hit, you know, uh, Rocky punching Tommy Gunn in the face and then he flies backwards into a transit bus, you know, <laughs> like, uh, and that's how he's knocked out. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and since we're talking about the street fight, I think the best moment in the entire movie, and it's so dumb, but uh, it's uh, George Duke starts trash talking Rocky afterwards and he's like, if you hit me, I'll sue only in America. Yeah. And then Rocky punches him and says, well, what? <laughs> you know, what? So, so I think you and I have talked about this. I had an epiphany on this. This is a silver lining and I'm glad you're bringing it up. So my entire life, even as a kid, I never understood that line because he says, touch me and I'll sue. And then he punches him and says, sue me for what? And I was like, for assault, like you're assaulting him. But, but for what money? That's I didn't get that line until watching it this time. I I didn't understand it as a kid. But yeah, he's saying sue me for what? What money can you sue me for? What money? Because I'm broke. So that was a silver lining for me rewatching this is that I finally got that line that I did not understand because I legit have not seen this movie since I was a child. Oh, me neither. And so as a kid, I didn't get the line. But this time I was like, oh, he's saying sue me for what money? Because I was it was like sue me for what? for assault you're punching him in the face you're not allowed to do that but yeah so i'm glad that i finally understood that line 30 years later yeah no it's um it's it's great and he delivers it excellently and it's a weird way for rocky to go out but which was at the time they thought rocky's ultimate swan song but it's a it's good yeah thumbs up Yes. I also, man, it really is. I didn't hear any bell is fantastic. 
Like, yeah, that's a great, that's great line that I do truly love. Like it works. Yes. And again, it's like that that moment really does land. Of just, I mean, like I said, the whole street fight, I think, is well done. I think it, everything mm-hmm. preceding it doesn't. It looks good. It's, yeah. Yeah. It, like, it sucks that this Rocky movie doesn't have Rocky fight in a ring. Like, that was a bad choice and really doesn't have a lot of boxing in it at all. Has a lot of training without a good song for the montage. I know we pivoted, but then it gets to the street fight. And the street fight is a good street fight, but it's like, it's just not Rocky. And that's what hurts this movie. I don't know. Like, I will say, I don't think it bothers me that Rocky is not in a ring because again he's not in a ring in creed you know like he's not boxing at that point i think that could have worked in creed that's the difference but i'm saying he could have i think the they could have made him they it, it could have been executed better yeah yeah and i think it could have worked that he is not sanctioned to fight because of his health but i i like the idea of doing a street fight i think visually it's interesting and it's still the climactic fight i didn't think like i don't feel like they needed to be in a ring and i don't think it would have been better if that no, fight I, happened, it in wouldn't a ring. have been with the the narrative of the movie. It wouldn't have been better, but I think like Rocky is better when the movie ends in a ring. But I do agree. That's my statement. I agree with you that there should have been more boxing in this movie. This movie is surprisingly light on boxing, and especially just he should have been managing. They needed to get to him managing Tommy Gunn faster. The training montage should have been him training Tommy Gunn, and he should have been at. He should have been Mickey to. Tommy Gunn. Honestly, I'm just describing the movie Creed. They should have done the movie Creed. I don't know. I'm sure Ryan Coogler was a child and wasn't directing. He was 10. He was 10. And maybe he was directing. I don't know. They should have gotten him. I think he would have done a better job. Yeah, I would trust 10 year old Ryan Coogler. (laughs) I think he would have done something special with it. But who knows what you can see through a child's eye is all I'm saying. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that would have been nice. Uh, I, I don't know how you fix this stuff with Rocky's son because it, all that stuff is really weird. Cast too. Milo Ventimiglia. I mean, that would have helped, but I don't. That's who they. That's who played him in the subsequent movies, right? I also don't know that they satisfied. You know, it was a satisfying resolution to how terrible of a dad he was earlier. He, he like it was just like a lot of things. It was rushed. Yeah. And that's why I think that's why this movie felt like it was going so quick because they covered so much ground that it's so sad when his son is smoking. I don't know if that's a silver lining, but I did laugh when he's like, I'm bad now. I'm smoking. And I got a dangly earring. The earring. Yeah. Uh, That are back in fashion, which is stupid because those didn't look good then and don't look good now. All right. But we're look, we pivoted. We got to be on silver lining. So we got to talk about the silver lining. So I have more. Um, I have more. Stallone's uh, sweater that would go on to be worn by Chris Evans and Knives Out. Was a big fan yep. of that. That's a good one. Yeah. Uh, the return of the pork pie hat. The pork pie hat. We missed it. It's. I'm glad he found we it in it the attic. All of them. Glad he found it. That was the one thing that he was able to take. Yeah. Because they couldn't find a receipt to assign value to it to repossess it. Yeah. So, no, the hat's great. Yeah. It was very nice to see that. I... I liked the weird, intense, uh, I think Molly described it as like Requiem for a Dream effect that they were doing, where clearly they brought Burgess Meredith in just to film weird close-ups of his face during the hallucinatory uh, montage of when, that's right before Rocky gets up and says, I didn't hear any bell. But uh, yeah, like I liked that weird (laughs) visual effects that they were doing to show I don't know. Yeah, he's just Darren Aronofsky was yeah. was watching the movie and it's like 
I'm gonna I'm gonna file that away because I'm gonna use that in Pi. I'm gonna use that in Requiem for a Dream. I'm gonna use that in. <laughs> By the way, while I'm while I'm talking too about things that as a kid, uh, you know, just my experience with these movies as a kid, one thing that absolutely blew my mind was. Because again, like, I don't know, when you're a kid, everything exists at the same time. So these movies existed and I would watch the Rocky movies, but I also watched the 1966 Batman, which was always in reruns. And the day the light bulb went off in my head and I discovered that the penguin was also Mickey, it didn't make sense to me because somehow they just existed at the same time. Well, and one... Burgess Meredith, always a silver lining. I'm glad they brought him back for those weird flashback sequences. Yeah, or they just retconned but, previous scenes that did not happen. Right. Yeah. But like, how hard was Burgess Meredith going between 1964 and 1976? Well, that's, yeah, it's not that much time. <laughs> it's a decade and he aged 400 years. Yeah, I th- that's probably part of it too is, yeah, he's so much older in these movies. And I think this is the, I always think of Mickey as just ancient, but yeah, in the 60s, he was significantly younger looking. <laughs> he literally, he, it was like living at 10 years on Tatooine. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's. Did he just wander the desert for those ten years and then show up at at the auditions for Rocky? Yeah, he had to watch Luke Skywalker as a child, like, and that really. Right, he was he was, he was taking care of some Jedi and he had to go on an adventure to uh, save young Princess Leia. No, he like those were city miles for those entire <laughs> that decade. The only thing that is funny is if you close your eyes, it's the same. Just he's going to motorize your rock. Like just, the, <laughs> yeah, it's the same. It's identical. And then he went on to be vice president, Dick Cheney. So it all works <laughs> out. I'm not his best time, you know, but, but we can forgive him for such a storied career up until that point. Yeah. Well, and that's the other thing, like right around the same time as when the grumpy old men movies were coming out as well. And he looks even more ancient in those. And they were filmed a year later. <laughs> it's just, it, you know, it's it's like Smash Mouth said, the years start coming and they don't stop coming. <laughs> yeah, it's true. If, <laughs> if there's one thing that I, I can know is that Smash Mouth is all pearls of wisdom. Yeah. No, but it is funny. I think people did age harder in the past. Like you see those photos and it's like all that weird stuff always comes up where, I, you know, stuff like, you know, Tom Cruise is older than I think everybody. I think he's older than Mr. Miyagi at this point. Like he's older than uh, I think the characters in Cocoon were. I think all that's true at this right, point. Yeah. yeah. Well, and the other thing is that like <laughs> that Wilford Brimley was 20 years younger than all the other elderly people in Cocoon. Yeah. Uh, like Don Amici was legit in his 70s and Wilford Brimley's like 48. <laughs> yeah. And just looks a million. It just looks he was born looking like that. There um, are certain people that yeah. just need to age into their faces. They just look like old men their whole lives. Right. But yeah, no, it's um like when they talk about how like Courtney Cox is older than all the Golden Girls were when Golden Girls came out and like she's still playing, you know, still doing, you know, not playing like elderly retirees the way the golden girls were and stuff like that which is a a lot of examples like that which is a shame she should be playing an elderly retiree yeah also we i just missed the golden girls just to make that clear they were great they were the best that was such a good show it really was 
So another silver lining, we got to talk about the Golden Girls. Yeah. You want a weird non sequitur about old TV? Because we got a little yes. bit of time left in this show. Yeah. So I'm going to give a recommendation because Molly has been watching Be- oh, yeah. Bewitched. And uh, there was an episode of Bewitched that uh, we both just watched the other day. And it's so, you know, Darren is the main character in Samantha. Um, and the whole plot line is they go out to dinner at this restaurant and this guy comes up to this big strapping man, like is drunk and he's being obnoxious towards her. And, you know, Darren stands up to him and the guy's going to knock him out, but she twitches her nose and ends up not, you know, so she uses magic to knock this guy out. And it turns out that he's a boxer who's like the number one contender for the title. And so then it like messes everything up for him because some random ad exec at a bar knocks out the champ. <laughs> and then he basically they go to him at his office and they convince Darren to take a dive. Like, look, let's just have another public confrontation. And this time he you're going to he's going to apologize to you. You're not going to accept his apology. And then he's going to knock you out. And he agrees but he doesn't tell Samantha and then she does the same thing again. <laughs> and so he knocks him out again. And then what happens is the actual champ comes and finds it. Cause then he's like, Samantha, like under no circumstances, do you do magic ever again? Like, do you not do it? And then the actual heavyweight champ shows up and is like, Hey, you knocked him out. Cause he has a glass jaw, but you can't knock me out. And it's great because he's sitting at the bar and he stands up to like get in the guy's face and he trips and he tangles up with the guy and basically falls into him and knocks him out the champ. And so he on his own legit knocks out the heavyweight champ. And that's all, good writing. It's solid. And I'm saying, look, if you were disappointed by Rocky five and you want a bar street fight that lives up to the hype, I highly recommend this. I think season yeah. two episode of bewitched. Because <laughs> because that's the thing is that we know that we got a lot of fans that we like to call the watch alongs mm-hmm. that uh, watch the movies along with us. They don't just listen to the pod. They go yeah. watch the movie, refresh their memory and come listen. So we appreciate you watch alongs. Uh, and yeah, so again, that's a, another silver line is to go track down this old episode of Bewitched. Do yourself a favor. You you deserve it after sitting through this movie. Because this was this was a, an uphill battle. It was. I I felt like an underdog trying to trying to KO the champ watching this, and much like Rocky Two, we both got knocked out at the end. But I didn't hear no bell, so yeah. <laughs> but I man, I will say like I think I think the biggest mistake was the music, and I have a feeling that even this mm-hmm. movie, as not great as it is, if you just recut it with "Gonna Fly Now," like if you just did the music that should have been in this movie. I think it improves at least a star. If you dug out Survivor and had them record another track. <laughs> yeah. You just found some hair metal band and just got them to, you know, lay like, something what down. What was Warrant doing in 1990? You know, have them. What were the Scorpions up to? I'm sure they could have put something out. Oh, man. Some Winds of Change action. <laughs> if th- That would have been better than the end credit song and would have fit. Yeah, also, again, in credit song, terrible. Just just embarrassing. So bad. So bad. Embarrassing on every level. 
But you know what? The, well, here, how about this? This is a final silver lining. That the true underdog story, the true redemption arc, the true starting from the bottom and running upstairs and raising your arms in victory was that it didn't end here for Stallone and for Rocky Balboa. That years later, he came back and showed that he was still the champ and did three, let's say three, three really great, three yeah. At worst, very watchable movies. Yeah. Because so. Rocky Balboa, Rocky Balboa and Creed are, I think, legit good. And Creed 2 is fine. Yeah. Like it's it's the worst of the three, but it's still very watchable and, and still good. And they're all better than this. <laughs> they're every Rocky movie is better than this. Yep. Yeah. So watch those instead. I think that that's it. Yep. Silver Linings Playback is a production of HoboTrashCan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. How many times has this happened to you? I just want to listen to a podcast. I can't choose from all these complicated structures and setups. You want to listen, not think. That's why... There's Hobo Radio. You'll feel like the smartest guy in the room in a room by yourself. This doesn't take any intellectual thinking at all. Thanks, Hobo Radio. Hobo Radio, a weekly podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network.